0: Not had enough of me yet? Well, good news. You can now listen to William Hill's Upfront with Simon Jordan podcast right here. The series, hosted by me, gives you a front row seat to big name interviews discussing their career successes and failures. Sit back
1: and enjoy. Eddie Hearn is the only promoter in the will, in the history of boxing that has allowed the fighters to see his true worth. Right, that's so you're, not, so you're, that's, that's so not an so opinion.
0: you're PR for AJ and now you're no, PR no, for Eddie. No. How do you think he's handled this situation with kind Conor of Ben? Because I think it's frankly appalling. Okay. I think it's ra- rank bullshit. Mm-hmm. I think he's
1: ducked every single issue. I all of a sudden thought I was Roy Jones Jr. and morphed in with Floyd Mayweather for the first 10, 12 fights. Oh, fight you've got the I Chris Hubeck Jr. disease. Hi. <laughs> The dream of being WBC World Champion exceeds everything. It couldn't be for my kids, it couldn't be for my wife, and that's disgusting and sad to say, but it did, because that dream was there before they come round. This is up front with
0: me, Simon Jordan. I believe there are a lot of vacuous, uninformed, unchallenged opinions out there. I want to get to the bottom line and cut through the nonsense. So, with this podcast with William Hill, I'm going to get people with strong views, strong opinions, and get them to stand them up to proper scrutiny. There's a good chance I might learn something along the way, but more importantly, so might you. Joining me today is a boxer who fought at three weight levels in his career, but famously achieved world title success as a cruiserweight at the home of his boyhood club, Everton. He's one of my favourite fighters, and it's Tony Bellew. He's joined me on the podcast brought to you by William Hill, and is a man of brilliant boxing ability, but also known for being combustible at times. Even I have felt the brunt of it when he turned on me during a live broadcast last year. Tony... You apologized to me on a QT back then, but would you like to take that opportunity to do to, to do it here publicly on upfront?
1: I'm starting already, Simon. I can say, uh, no. Once you've done it once, you don't need to do it again. But if you'd like, uh, hang it on, in person, hang on, you can't apologize on the QT. It wasn't on the QT. It was. I, I came out. If you, if you see, you've already forgotten now. I've took twenty five years of punches in the face, and I haven't forgot. I actually put it out there after I'd apologised. Oh, you did? did. I, or did oh, I fair not? fair enough.
0: What well, I wanted one was to my face, though, I suppose. I didn't want the, the anonymity of a little cowardly Sorry? tweet.
1: No, no. I phoned, I, to I phoned me. you up and addressed you as the man I am and said, Simon, I must apologise. I shouldn't have said what I said, but I did. And then I went out on record through my social media platform, which is a bit of a stupid joke, and uh, and addressed people and said, I'd apologise to you, so yes. But if you'd like it again... I would, Okay, well, I can only apologise. I can't even remember what I said. and
0: and meaningfully. You're Piss a muppet. Off, that's
1: enough. You're a muppet. You don't know oh, anything. Okay, you're yes. a disgrace. Well, no, you You've never be.
0: laced the glove. Well, that's yes. true, actually. Of course no. it's true. Well,
1: no, it's not. It's not true. You're not a muppet. You're no, I know You're a that. very bright individual with a vocabulary far greater than mine. So oh, hang on a second. You said I didn't know the words I was using. The words were far too big. Even I, I well, didn't know. I understand had to them. look we were up to find out <laughs> you, you didn't you know what you both, were talking mate. about. You and me both. But, uh, well, first of all, what does combustible? Is that, is, I'm thinking I'm thinking It that means that, that you
0: are uh, able to break out and you could be quite okay. reactive. Something combustible is something that blows up. I think it's good to be... Certainly comb- in the sport that you chose, you need to be combustible at times, don't you? I
1: didn't choose that sport, Simon. It chose, it chose you. Yes.
0: I think you know, but it's w- well documented in terms of anything that's relevant about my views on boxing. I have a great love of boxing. Okay. A great love of it. I've followed the it best for a long time. Around. I think it's the best sport I wish... That I'd spent a lot of money in boxing. I know you think to me, and you say to me, "Yeah, you must be outside of your mind." If you think there's there there are arseholes in boxing, get yourself in football for five minutes. You'll find out there's even bigger ones in that. But I'm, you know, I'm a great student of the sport. I went to see Donald Curry fights. Lloyd um, uh, nice, Hannigan in 1986 mm-hmm. for that particular enticed. title I went to see Minta when I was a 12 year old boy with my dad okay. lose to Marvin Hagler yes. I've been fortunate enough to go around the world so I love the sport so anything I talk to you about today and anything I talk about even in slightly heated conversations with promoters that you like yes. comes from a position of having a great deal of respect for the sports and the people that participate in it, never, even my observations about Anthony Joshua, who you were a fanboy for, are I'm never coming you're, you're from you're the position me of
1: disrespect. You've labelled me twice now. You've said oh, I'm friend. I, I've known Edward a long time. Uh, I didn't mention the name, but you did. You did. Well, you said promoter. So I'm only got. I only have a relationship with one promoter in the whole world. Uh, and as for Josh, uh, I've known Josh a long time since before he put a professional glove on. I'm not a fanboy of him because I've been critical of him when he first turned pro. I was critical of his growing team and I would tell him the things that I thought. But it is what it is. Everyone's entitled to an opinion. That's one thing that should never be taken away or stripped away. Anything that I I put out there as an opinion or anything that I label and say about someone, I can give you factual information to why I've said it when it comes to boxing. So there's nothing you could pick me up on here, any kind of topic you could say, you said this or you said that. You can quote me on absolutely anything. And the only I will, thing I'll I think with boxing sometimes is it seems
0: to be the only place I, I realise that the strength of mind required to be a fighter and I realise that the pride it takes to be a fighter. But it seems to me that in in this particular space on the conversations I've had with many fighters mm. and people in boxing, the moment you criticize something, mm. not even if it's Fair criticism, because yeah. a lot of time people criticize just for the sake of it. They criticize so they can get some clickbait, and so they can make themselves look bigger in that particular mm. moment, right? And use someone else as their prop. I but I often say. find it that when you talk to someone in boxing, the moment you veer away from praise, football can say. be the same tone. Football can be the same. If you, you, know, everyone likes praise, but sometimes you have to have fair criticism. And the moment you criticize somebody, like I did with Derek Tsoula, when mm. I said to him, you know, I, I don't want to see you fight Dillian White for the third time mm. because I've seen it. I want to see world-level fights. And he said to me, what's world-level? I said, the level that beats you every time you step up to it. Mm. Happens to be a fact. Mm. It might not be the most pleasant of observations, but well, it's a fair observation. It's a fact. And so I, I, I find that when you criticise people, when you try to do it from an objective point of view, in your sport, people get quite prissy about it. And you got quite prissy with me because you didn't like what I said about Anthony Joshua. I
1: did, but that was based on the facts that you didn't know all the facts that I know. And it's from the angle you made... And we'd spoke about it on the phone yeah. in like quite a bit of detail. Yeah. And then I'd made you aware of some of the facts that you was unsure about. Then. It adapted
0: my thinking. You're yeah. right, fair
1: enough. So yeah. I like I say, when I say when people say, and I say, Anthony Joshua brought boxing to a level it's never been before, that's not an observation, that's fact. And I know you pointed out, well, Carl Frotch sold 80,000 in mm. Wembley Stadium, which 100% he did. We all know that. We've heard Carl say it yeah. way more than 80,000 times. Yeah. But when he did, when you did say that, I had to also mention of, Anthony Joshua made this a regular thing. It had been done before Carl Frotch, Ricky Hatton had done it. It had been done before Ricky Hatton, Frank Mm. Bruno had done it. We can go back and back and back 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 over time. But the only fighter in the history of boxing who'd done this on a regular occasion was Anthony Joshua because he started taking the the show on the road. This boy is the first person to take boxing to to the desert to Saudi Arabia, this boy opened up a market that hadn't been opened or touched before, Simon, and that was my only point. In uh, you could say that about Muhammad Ali going to fight in Zaire, of people do things, don't they? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He is, and I'm not saying in any way, shape, or form, he should be mentioned in the same breath as Muhammad Ali. But what I'm saying is, he changed the game like Muhammad Ali changed the game for fighters in this country. I was here before he was here as a professional, and I've been here throughout his peak and his rise and the game changed with him, Simon, so, mean, it really did because I was, at the start of my professional career, fighting in leisure centres, fighting in sports centres for buttons. And, and as I say, the growth and the rise was huge. It's like I fought in my third professional fight, I fought in front of 50,000 Welshmen, uh, Joe Calzaghi fights Michael mm-hmm. Kessler. Uh, and people, most people don't know this, but if you look back, you'll see it on, on me record. And Joe Calzaghi was an absolute megastar. He only has one major stadium fight.
0: No, that's true. No, but isn't that a weight
1: class thing as well, though? It is, but he was. He the difference is weight classes are superseded, Simon. When you have a country behind you, Mm -hmm. so Canelo Alvarez, he has a country. He does. not yeah, no, he fills stadiums, he fills arenas. So some fighters supersede that thing of weight classes and stuff like that. It does happen. It's like Nassim Hamad. If Nassim Hamad was around today because yeah, of the, pers- of the personality way. as well he'd sell yeah. out Wembley Arena yeah. 10 times over it's just it's, it's the world we live in and the characters we attach to They're just the thing about with Anthony Joshua is under this media spotlight from 2012 huge and just goes to, from success to success to success and as we've done in this country and continue to do we build we them up and we diminish I we agree build them I, up to knock I, them down I agree like we did I with agree. Big Frank it's not, it's not coincidence why Big Frank has been through the turmoils and, mm. and the travesties that he's been through. It's because this country built him up Oh, I to think there's a lot more down. to
0: than that. I think there's a lot more to that. I think the Lennox Lewis issues, when uh, Lennox Lewis of was course. calling him an Uncle Tom and all kinds of stuff, all that come issues, into play with Frank. The,
1: mentally, he's been absolutely yeah. exasperated. I can't believe I've just used a big word. Exacerbated, exacerbated. Yeah. So exhausted. But, yeah, and he's been mentally drained. He's had the life taken out of him. But, but let's, talk let's talk about you. Let's talk
0: about you because this is about you. About other people, this is Simon. about you. You wanted to be a footballer.
1: Oh, mate, in my dreams, yeah,
0: yeah. To have gone from wanting to be a footballer, yeah, to ending up in boxing. What started that process
1: for you? Yeah, I just. Uh, I just wanted to be a footballer for Everton football. For Everton? Yeah, yeah, for Everton specifically. I didn't want to play football for anyone else. Whenever you're playing knockouts with the lads, I'm always an Everton player. If you're Peter Beardsley or you're Duncan Ferguson or you're Kevin Sheedy or you're Sharpie, you're know you one of them players from that kind of generation as a kid. Boxing was something I always looked at and watched purely because my dad loved it. But my dad left when I was 10 years old. Right. Right. And then it gets to that stage then where... You're playing Sunday League football with your mates. your dad's not really home, your mates be. Were you any
0: good, by the way, at football?
1: I can play. I, I wouldn't say I'm good. My best friend in the world is Neil Danse. Oh, Danse? He yes. played for me? Yes, he did the Crystal he's Palace. He's a good lad, Neil. So I used to come and watch Neil. Did you? At, yes, right. at Salis Park. Because he, he was at, He ends up at Huddersfield, didn't he? He's been at every club yeah. you can probably mention. He's a good Bear lad, Birmingham, I didn't Houders know that. Huddersfield, oh. Palace, he's been everywhere, Neil. He's still playing now. Is he? Yeah, the two of us are a yeah. week apart. We had our 40th birthday parties, uh, synced we both got surprised. We, t- I thought I was getting him to the party. He thought he was getting me. I get him there. I walked in and said, there you go. It's your 40th. He went, what are you talking about? He said, Joe your 40th. Yeah. We were like, you're Spider-Man. No, you're Spider-Man. No, it was absolute clowns, the two of us. So yeah, uh, Neil, Neil likes to say I can play. I can strike a ball with both feet, but no, mate. I was never good enough but to be n- a footballer. But what position? Centre forward.
0: Really? Yeah. I know where strike the net the, is. Strike the, feet. strike the ball with both feet, but never know where I'll the ball's is. I'll
1: take a penalty with both feet and I'll, I'll slot it. Left left all right. You pick. I'll put a penalty past anyone. Back to the point, I never had a chance, Simon. I just... Big Duncan kid. Ferguson inspiration my to you? hero. Yeah? My absolute hero. Yeah, I love Duncan. It's crazy that I call him my friend now, which is. So you're going to go
0: down to Forest Screen Rovers and eat vegan pies I will with him. support him, but I don't know about the vegan Sold pies. The <laughs> I think you're parting. to be honest, the way That's you're the going mo- on. That's the most awkward interview I think I've ever seen in my life. Duncan Ferguson he's doing an interview to... with Del Vince. <laughs> and that Dale Scott Vince? that Del's got on, and Duncan's going,
1: this looks great. Well, Duncan's just... i well, have Duncan's a pie. Duncan's being Duncan. He's trying to help everyone because he's such a brilliant person. And you know what he is? He's an honourable man who stands on his word, which is very rare these days. And he is once again there just trying to please people and keep them happy, but... He is a man who needs to be given a fair crack at the whip at a good manager's job at a decent club because, believe you me, his knowledge of football is second to none. He's very, very clever, and the portrait painted of him at the moment is oh, he's an art. He's case, he's a nutter, he's a lunatic because of what he happened as a player. Completely wiped that slate clean. He's nothing like he's being portrayed as.
0: Yeah, I mean, I listen. I, I mean, I I know people that know Duncan speak very highly of him. I don't think he should have ever got the Everton manager's job because I think it was too big for him. But if he goes to Forest Green, learns his trade, then maybe he'll become a manager. But I didn't think it was ever right for him to be at Everton. And I think the challenges for him would have been going from a club legend potentially with the challenges at Everton he might have found himself on the wrong side of it go back it's to you impossible. Go, back to, go back to you and yeah. your background and your boxing and the cool. reasons why you landed in that space your dad owned a security company left when you were 10 years of age yes. you watched boxing with him you wanted to play
1: football at one particular point you recognised that that wasn't for you yeah. but how did you land in boxing I kickboxed first uh, done quite well at kickboxing. A uh, kickbox for my dad's business partner called Alfie Lewis, who was the best kickboxer probably this country's ever seen. And i knocked a couple of people out with punches in the last two fights, got disqualified for knocking them out with head punches. And Alfie was like, I think you should go to the boxing gym. Went to the boxing gym, didn't enjoy it at first. what course. age was this? 12, 13. Really? Yeah. So alongside playing football at the same time? Playing football at the same time, playing for the Sunday League teams, living the dream. Kid who was a bit overweight, to be polite. And just... Could could do a little bit with the boxing. My dad's always taught me, took me on pads in the yard. So if my mum was out, or my mum was at work, my dad would come round, take me on pads. And yeah, it was that, that's how it started. My affection with boxing. I could always punch, and I've fighting has never ever frightened me. I, I I'd love nothing more than a man to challenge me. You knowing you're a kid and you're in school, and someone goes, right, I'm having you out after school. Yeah. Kids would be like, oh, I'm gonna find my mum. You threw out that one, did you? oh mate, I was happy yeah. days. You wanna have it out after school? I'll have it out now. Let's do it. Happy happy days. Don't need to wait and. That's because of me nature, and that's just because of the way I am. I've got a screw loose. I, I admit it. So have you, but you don't. I do. It's just, it's just the way it is. So sad.
0: So- 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 it is. We've my all got a screw, screw loose. Is writing checks out for snot-gobbling footballers, not stepping in a ring, getting my
1: face punched in. Well, there's a screw loose somewhere, but we've all got them. It's just that you'd admit to it, and I do. And boxing became me. I'd say me passion, but it went way beyond that. It do you think? Do you life. think?
0: Do you think the surroundings that you grew up in? Mm. And the background that you came from—would you? This is this is me putting words in your mouth, but I don't want to. It's a fact. Do what you, you think just you came said. from a deprived
1: background? Would you say that was, was no? I okay, that wasn't so that's, deprived. I wasn't deprived. We didn't have much. Yeah. We didn't have the lot, but my mum worked. Lack of privilege, then? Yeah, oh, one hundred percent. I never had privilege. Never in my life. So, uh, do
0: you think those surroundings and the lack of privilege? sort of fueled because in order to be a boxer, I would imagine never having, I mean, I do a bit of sparring and that's about as far as I'll go. And even that, I don't like very much. I love the sport. I like to get involved. I like doing the pads, but getting punched in the face for me, not fun. I don't blame you. But this psyche of a boxer, you know, what there there has to be an element of anger, surely to be a boxer. Mm. What fuels that? Is it, is it the background you came from? Because what makes the psyche of a boxer? What makes you go in and do what
1: you have to do? I'm 100% a product of my environment. If it didn't come where it came from, I wouldn't be a fighter. Uh, but then there's a, there's many equations that add up to, to the summary in the end of me. So my brother being young and gay, that me little yeah. brother, that that wasn't easy uh, with my dad being gone. So the fights I've had to protect that little brother, right. being young, black and gay in the late 80s, early yep. 90s, isn't cool. I'm from a mixed race family. My mother's black, are. my father's yeah. white. Yeah. So that didn't go down well with the brothers in the community. And, uh, and I've had many a fight, many a night. I suppose it's part of... I wouldn't say the problem because I don't look at what I've done as a problem. I just look at... I'd love to know why I've ended up where I'm at. Like, I'm painted as this angry man. I know they trying to picture an idea to me at the minute to see a psychologist. I've never seen one. I've never seen a psychologist. I've never spoke to anyone about what's going on up here. But, I, but, but are I you angry I as a
0: person? To. I mean, okay, there's an image of you that's being presented out there now, which you know yeah. is being cultivated to some extent because it sells, yes. right? But ultimately... You don't. You strike me as someone that's able to control your anger and utilise it when it needs to be the case. But underlying to be a fighter, not just to be Tony Bellew, but to be a professional fighter, mm-hmm. the psyche of a boxer, it must involve some dynamic of of the ability to summon up some innate rage or in, uh, control that rage and control that temperament. And I'm trying to understand
1: how that manifests itself. You grow up and. Academically, I'm not very bright. didn't get any leave of school with any decent exam results. I had no qualifications. Expelled. Same before. as me.
0: Well, uh, I got expelled as well. But the best people get expelled, as
1: far as I'm concerned anyway. Yeah, it's... I don't know. There's so many factors that, that make me the way I am, but I'm definitely proud product of my environment. Growing up where I'm from, I mean, I've said this a couple of times now on air that, you know, where I'm from, there was no doctors, there was no solicitors. The yeah. first time I found out what a solicitor or a lawyer was, I was on our way to school and we were on the, the 79 bus and a lorry hit the bus on the side of it, trying to come out of a builder's yard, merchant's yard, whacked aside the bus and it didn't like knock the bus over or anything, but it whacked inside the bus, all the windows shattered and we got the day off school. Anyway, my mum took me to the, to the solicitors and she went, you're going to get a claim here, son. It's going to be right, a good okay. couple of quid. And I went, why mum? Who's he? What's he going to do? She went, he's going to go to court. He's going to get you a few quid. And say you're, tra- say you're was traumatized, traumatized from the bus crash. You can't get in the car no more. Your neck's killing. You're all that kind of nonsense. Anyway, i had done it. And that's how I found out what a solicitor was. By hmm. like going to the solicitor to, to make a claim for the bus crash. No interview. winner No fee. Well, he absolutely. definitely won because I got 1,500 quid for my troubles, which was absolutely great at the time when you've just been expelled from school and you've got so to be mates. So you're of the reasons
0: why in society we've got insurance companies charging us far too much money for things because you're running around
1: tripping over pavement stones well, and saying, hey, that was the pavement stones. Fault. Try oh, being a big on a bus and getting hit by a lot, Simon. Try being by a bus, getting hit by a lorry and then the wind is shattered in your face, the glass window and getting a couple of scratches on your face. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well,
0: well worthy of 1500 quid. Yeah, Absolutely. it was
1: it was well worthy of that. You know what I mean? But that, that's how I found out what a solicitor was for the first time. Doc, we didn't know. No one was a doctor where I'm from. It just wasn't happening when you didn't wave a tree and you're there. It's just the ways out was a footballer. Are you glad for that life? Are yes, you glad because it gave you, grateful grateful. it gave you subsistence, gave you backbone, it
0: gave you our soul. it gave you the ability to be able to compete in the sport that you chose to be in. 100%. Are you glad for that? Yes.
1: Yeah. I wouldn't be the person I am without where I'm from. I'm proud of where I'm from and I'll sing Wavertree. I was born in Toxford, I was raised in Wavertree. These two places go hand in hand. They're separated from a road called Smithdown Road. I love that road. I've run that road thousands and thousands of times in training. That place Made me what I am. That me, I could not have grown up where I am now, where my, my me and my children live, and be anything other than soft. Really, I know that for a fact. I could, my could not grow up like my children are growing up, and be nothing but soft. Now I'm forcing them to understand that. Now, just so you've moved away from this area now. Yeah, no, my mum still lives there. Right. I want, I want, I'd love to stay there. I'd love to stay there, but I can't because people think I'm something I'm not.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I'm, I'm still, I grew up in South London in a part of London which wasn't particularly my father wasn't particularly successful my life wasn't particularly great I lived in a very small little house next door to Crystal Palace Stadium and and ultimately all of my best friends lived next door to us it was a very multi-ethnic environment I was regularly getting my ass kicked in um, by everybody and everything uh, I constantly sent out with my father to go and deal with it on the basis of get yourself together son but at the moment I had an opportunity I wanted to get away I know where I came from I know what made me yeah. I know what gave me the backbone to go out and build businesses at 26 years of age and make 100 million quid and, and have a go at the world, okay. but it wasn't something that I wanted to spend my time looking back on. I wanted to move forward. Okay. So it's curious because I don't want my kids. You talk about your kids. And we talk about this generation. I was talking to Joe Cole the other day about his kids and about the fact that he wanted to show his kids where he lived and how he lived and they couldn't quite believe it in this little two bedroom flat that his mum had in Camden and how our kids are now living in a very different way. But my kids are still going to have the same substance. They might have a bit more privilege, mm. but they're going to still have the same. And I imagine you're going to
1: do that too, right? 100%. My eldest son's got a job. He's 17. He's just passed his exams. Distinction in every test paper that he's got. He's going to go to university, but he works on a Sunday. Every Sunday, my friend's clothes shop, lost souls. Do you worry about society? I mean, Actually, i re- I read a
0: quote to you because I do. I look at society. I look at someone. I worry about some of the kids that are coming through now. I worry about it? this generation that have got no backbone, no substance, no resilience. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking after us when we're older. But I'll, I'll read you something that you said because it's specific about a particular situation in the country that we've got, which is rising knife crime. Yes, and uncle. I've got strong views on it. I don't know whether you have. You wrote, or something that was attributed to you, and i and I'm pretty sure you said it. At what point in life did it become okay to take a knife into a problem instead of
1: your bare hands? Yeah, it's sad. And I don't know what point that's happened. I'm trying my best with the weapons down, gloves up theme that we've got in place. And we're saving kids off the street all the time. But like I said, edging back towards my son, he's got values and core values that I instill in him. Like, you know, he's going on a lads holiday for the first time. He's got to go to work and pay for his holiday. I'm not paying for it. That's not going to do but it. But
0: there it is, parents at the center of it. But
1: Parents are parents that, are at the center of the, parents got got to to be the be strong culpable. things in
0: society or the bad things in society. They've
1: got to be more culpable, Simon. Yeah, I agree. They've got no mother. They've got no father. What are they supposed to do? I'm seeing knife crime at an all-time high in this country. Gun crime, we don't even have firearms allowed in this country. How is it out of control? There's more shootings now than there's ever been before. And I'm seeing these kids on a regular basis because at Weapons Down Gloves Up, we're going in speaking to them. And the kids from where I live, kids from my city, I relate to all of these kids. I relate to all of them because I've grown up in the same environments and the same atmospheres. I'm from a single-parent's home. Do you think guys like you,
0: because you've got Richard Riatpo fighting in the division that you dominated once or you certainly won a world title in, Mm. talking about knife crime, going out and doing these things, do you think guys like you with the position. that I mean, I don't, you don't set out to be a role model, he's but you are role. by definition. You, I'm talking about you, but okay. people like yourself and people like Richard going out and reaching into the community and doing things that are more valuable than just talking about it. He's a brilliant example.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think he's because he's be, he's a victim yeah. of it. Yeah, 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 I think so too. And I think he's a brilliant example. I really like him. I spoke to Richard, he come to the Creed 3 premiere. Yeah, I know, was
0: having a roll a was when it was more. Yeah, right. that, that is it's a bloody a, awful film. <laughs> it's the worst film I've ever seen in my life. I don't horrible. care if you're in it, Tom. Simon. that's awful.
1: Well, you're the only person who's given it's bad reviews. awful. Every person it gave it a great snooze fest. My I God's actually, terrible.
0: I actually felt so enraged by it. I even put a tweet up saying, "This is dog shit. Worst film I've ever seen. Jesus Never go and
1: see Christ. it." The best part of it, mate, if I'm being fair, was you. Stop it. And that weren't great either. Stop it. And I was in good shape for that, by the way. I even got a six pack for it. I can't believe i done that. Uh it's a fantastic movie with a brilliant backstory, and the acting <laughs> that's most importantly is fantastic. So forget about that. But Richard Riakpo is a brilliant example, and he's someone that I'll engage with in the future. Uh Because yeah. he can speak to the kids, and that's yeah. the most important thing, Simon. He is a product of his environment. He, he, is. he is he is a perfect yeah. person we can look upon. He's a proper lad, he's Crystal Palace fan. Ah, okay, so that's good. But I, it's like Anthony Joshua I draw upon that with him. Yeah, He's a product of his environment. The Watford kid, he's being arrested, nearly went to jail, but he shows these kids. And like, people want to paint me and portray me and say, you're his role model. I'm no one's role model because I've made loads of mistakes, but I look at them and say, look where they are now. Look at yeah. the, One of the faces of Sky Sports. He probably will become a Cruiserweight World Champion. I put good money on He's going to become one at some stage. Joshua, from from being sitting in a cell Yep, sitting in a police cell with no hope, no qualifications, no future to being the biggest draw in the world for boxing.
0: Oh yeah, I don't doubt it. With we, hundreds we, of millions, We have a disagreement crazy. about where he is in the boxing food chain, but I do respect the, the values that he's brought oh, into his wow. own life and the achievements that he's got. I want to go back to you. Yep. And I want to talk about the, the evolvement from starting in boxing and the challenges that boxing brings and the things that you overcome. Because I watched your career. I remember watching you against Adonis Stevenson. Oof. And, you know, that was one hell of a fight for you. Thank you very much. No, but you, you probably <sighs> took a lot out of that because it, it was a beating, but notwithstanding that you were f-ing in the fight right. and you had a go and, and you ended up where you wanted to end up by winning a world title yeah. and all part of a journey. But fears mm. in life. Mm. Do you have any fears? Because I've been led to believe
1: that you are... Frightened end of heights. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, it, that was accentuated 10 times more after losing my brother. So, yeah. Right. I've always been scared of heights, but I've tried to conquer them and I've been quite active in conquering them. I've done three bungee jumps. So, after the age of 17 in Ironhapur, I've done my first bungee jump from 300 foot into water and then continued to do it. Each year, me and Neil went uh, to Ironhapur. We would go to Apple each Dance. year. Yes. Yeah, with me and Dan mm-hmm. used to go to Ironhapur. Uh, each year and do two weeks of craziness and in eye napper, uh, drinking ourselves to sleep, laughing, crying, just good times. And each year I would do that bungee jump to try and conquer my fear of heights. And I could never get over it, but I was able to deal with them. And then after uh, losing my brother, yeah, from a height, then yeah, that's it. Mm. So- uh, I'm sorry about that, my, No, it's okay. My fear means something now. Yeah. So uh, there's a reason uh, why it's like that. So it's not nice. Uh, another quote attributed to you, Mm-hmm. Is
0: that you expressed a desire to avoid going to jail and yeah. labelled this as your biggest fear? I've seen my father in jail. Mm-hmm. I've visited him in there. This is quoting you. Yeah. It was heartbreaking. I ain't putting my kids through that. I never want to put them in that position. Mm-hmm. Why would there be why would that be an assimilation in your mind? You don't I mean Because I've,
1: I've I've lived it. So it's something that sticks with you when pivotal moments in your life hit you. Like when you get in the day of school, what for to go and visit my dad in jail? sticks with you and you think things to yourself.
0: But why would you? Now, why would it be an assumption in your own mind that something you're going to do? Because, you don't strike me as that. Because I've you're been, strong. You're, yeah, I'm you've strong, got a good character. You've got good I've, principles listening to you talk. The value sets that you've got, when you talk about your kids, when you talk about the principles of defending somebody, that's before you them. are a
1: very strong person of and course. you have strong beliefs, don't you? But that's before them. And right. I've done some stupid things that I regret and I've done a lot of mad stuff that could have easily been locked up a dozen times. I'm just very fortunate that I haven't been caught okay all right so yeah i've lived stupid things in my life i've made mistakes i'm sure you have as well and if i was ever arrested or done or uh, done something like i could i could i could lose it all in the blink of an eye if someone does if someone was to do something to any of my my wife me kids say something do it any, any way shape or form mm. you're combustible. finished combustible I, i'm I, combustible is yeah. is, a, is a nicer way of saying it i will if someone does anything to one of my children my wife, now I would expect every man to have these same models and code. I put them kids on this planet. They are my responsibility. Yep. They didn't ask from, to be born. I'm with i with you. I put them here and they are my responsibility. My job is to protect them and do everything in my power to make sure they are good and they are happy and they are living the best of their lives. I, I am someone who does live on the edge a little bit <clears throat> and I am someone who's a emotionally charged, yep. shall we say. Yeah, I, I believe that you'd be the same for your family. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It doesn't most, make us our cases, doesn't make no, us big it doesn't, men. It no. just makes us fathers, I suppose, yeah, I think and, and, right. and loving. I think most husbands. men would
0: say the same thing. Most mothers would say the same I would thing. Or well,
1: women, yeah. It, yeah. it comes natural to women. I mean, for a lot of men, there's a lot of, a lot of cowards out there who choose to make children and walk away from them. I suppose there's women out there that do that as well, but a lot more of them are men. Who create children and just piss off out of nowhere Yeah, uh, there's a
0: lot of people that have a lot of su- uh, that so, lack a yeah. lot of
1: substance Tony that's for sure in the world yeah definitely moving
0: on from and I know it's a thorny subject with Adonis Stevenson but I think it was a great learning curve for you but a question that abounds for me is money versus risk every time you walk into a boxing ring mm. at the level that you were fighting at yeah. you were literally walking in putting your life in jeopardy um yeah. And, of course, the consequences of other sports like football are talking about dementia crisis and so on and so forth. And boxing never seems to get that no, on its don't. horizon, which is unfathomable. Because they don't care. They may not care, but the media aren't after it either. right? Because you've got people in football turning around and saying that dementia is something we need to tend to. You guys get a in the ball. face. No one, no one talks about it. right? Edna ball. <laughs> so so talk, to, talk to me about your view of it all, walking into a ring, the challenges that you have, the, the idea that you're potentially facing a real situation of jeopardy. Jared McClellan walked in there once, walked out in a very different condition. And so did Michael Watson. And, and so did many fighters that we can talk yes. to or talk about, sorry. Yes. How did you weigh up? How did you weigh that that balance up between the carrots of huge return, which I know you've talked about. You've talked about the fights you had with David Hay where you made a load of money and you secured your family. And that was at the front of your thinking. But then you had the other side of it, which is weighing up the risk. Walk me through the the balance, that you, the trade-off. You must have done.
1: I didn't realize there was risk until I fought over McKenzie. That was the fight where I thought, really, this is real risk now. I'd, I'd been put down a couple of times, yeah. flash knockdowns. Uh, my first flash knockdown was in Everton Park against the journeyman, more of a balance issue. Another one then happened against Bob Adjasef in the Grove a hotel defending my Commonwealth title. Another flash knockdown. But the real first Genuine knockdown that ever happened in my life. Over McKenzie comes out in the first round and he hits me with a right hand on the side of the head. It sits me down. It, it, it's a just a quick flash knockdown, but the real danger comes in the second round. He hits me with a right hand I don't see coming and I land on the canvas flat on my face. Hitting my floor face down is what wakes me up. Right, sleepy He hits me that hard. After that fight, I address the worries of what boxing's doing to me because then I, I also I leave the trainer who was with the time Right. Uh, and I make change straight away. And then safety comes into my... But you mind. go to Dave Caldwell after that? No, I went back to Rotunda back home to my amateur boxing club right. because I'd I'd fell behind and I'd forgotten my basics. And my basics were good footwork and a good jab. I all of a sudden thought I was Roy Jones Jr. and morphed in with Floyd Mayweather for the first 10, 12 Oh, you got the Chris Ubeck Jr. disease? <laughs> I, yeah, I, uh, what's it called when you take something on... <laughs> Contracted. I, I contracted the bug you just spoke about. Yes. <laughs> okay. So, I, I, listen. I enjoyed the first 10-10 fights of my professional career, but I just it was so easy because I was such I was a, such a good level. I'm a three time former ABA champion. Yep. Uh, boxing me country being around the world. When you first turn professional, it's easy. Because they're not at your level. Yep. No matter how good the gym, no matter how strong and how durable they are, they just can't figure me out. Because I'm so advanced. And me To be fair to me, I was never ast- aesthetically great to look at, and I was never this brilliant athlete. But I've got a really good boxing brain. There's very few. I've only met one fighter in all of my life with a better boxing brain than me, and unfortunately, he dealt with me well and truly. His name is Alexander Usyk, and he's a fucking nightmare.
0: You wouldn't think you wouldn't you wouldn't put Tyson Fury, your mate, in that category. As a wonderful, better boxer, wonderful, as, wonderful as, boxing as, a, brain, as a better boxing not a great brain. Than to me.
1: Look at. I don't think he'd break, break a fighter up better than me or break a fight or break a fight down better than me. I'll let he you say, tell him that. He then. certainly doesn't know the game better than me. He certainly doesn't know the history of the sport better than me. Uh, I've studied the sport since I was ten years old. I think you're a fantastic pundit. Oh thank you. I've watched you, I've That's watched right. you speak. Um
0: I I still think my favourite line of all time, and it's a very basic line, is for God's sakes, man, you're wearing an Alice band. <laughs> I thought that was the greatest line of all time against David Hay. You know, it didn't I, I, I love that. Thank you. But but going back to the genesis of the question, which mm. is, at some point, you would have been making, ev- you know, up until the point where you reached somebody that was at a level that would give you a, a run for your money. So you get into the, you go for your amateur career. Well, you gave
1: you, me that, Oliver McKenzie gave me that. Right.
0: So my point is, after that, yeah. you're now realizing what this game is really about—the the, yeah. hurt game, the business of being in a situation where you can cause yourself, how you know, damage mm-hmm. to your health, and you're now weighing that up every time you go in a ring. How does that get processed in your mind? You're now stage, also going to become a dad at some point. No, I was already
1: a father. Right. So at you've, got and you, you've got that, you've got that on your good. radar as well. But I'm also now what you're missing. I'm also still chasing the dream. Right, so that's the point I'm saying. And There's the dream, a trade-off in The dream in there. is far more. So important. the dream
0: is as, the dream has as as, as, the as is superseded WBC.
1: the risk profile the, that you attached to it. The dream through. is exceed the dream of being WBC world champion exceeds everything. It comes before me, kids. It comes before my wife, and that's disgusting and sad to say, but it did because that dream was there before they come round. Right. That dream was there at 15 years old. I'm gonna be WBC world champion, and I'm gonna fight at Goodison Park. Once I was permanently did expelled from school. That was my lifelong goal and dream. Very few people in life will look at you and go, I've lived out my dream. My lifelong dream was obviously playing for Everton Football Club was yep. the first one. But when you know that can never happen in this stratosphere, then you move the goalposts to yep. so the next and, thing. And you make that the goal. I I see my dreams through. When that then happened, that's when it starts getting dangerous. Cause I, I didn't care what happened to me. I'd die trying to become WBC mm-hmm. world champion, and I did. I've proved it many times. I've got off the floor and I'm well, yeah, face Well, you battled yeah, it cleverly, didn't you? Yeah, I've I've got off the floor as I say over Mackenzie. You are face down, like over Mackenzie looked at me when I'm face down on the floor. He'd hit me with his best shot, and over Mackenzie's not this big, great world champion or where Believe you me, that boy's right hand hits as hard as nearly anyone's I've faced. Only David Hay hits heavier than him, and I just jumped up from that knockdown like it was nothing. And just and he said to me. I knew he'd lost that fight when I looked in his eyes across the ring and just said, let's go again. I didn't care. I only started caring and the real fear kicked in was once I'd become world champion. Yeah. Are you trying on, to preserve something? I wake up on the Monday morning and, uh, well, I didn't wake up. That's a lie. I didn't sleep. It was a bank holiday Sunday, 29th of May, 2016, when I defeated the London for the WBC yep. World title at Goodison Park. I'm sitting there on the Monday. Just happened to remember that. Did you? <laughs> I had to get that in. It's not as good as Carl's 80,000, but it's not far <laughs> off. <laughs> So we're sitting there and I've got the paper in front of me. The paper has been delivered to the house and I I don't have papers delivered, but my missus made sure the paper's delivered. I'm on the front page of my local Echo. I've got a WBC, I've got the picture on my phone. I've got the paper of the Echo, the WBC title sitting on the kitchen top and the two gloves either side of the paper. And I took a picture that exact day, obviously in the May. And I just thought, wow, I've done it. I've achieved a dream. And then she comes down, she says to me, so that's it now you've done it because she knows how it meant mm. to me she's been with me for 20 plus years i've known her since we were kids I, i'm an old school man people don't like to own man's man I, I i'm here to provide that's my job for them her job is to you be the best mother you can you take care of us you look after us but i earn i provide and i look after you guys by doing what i do and uh she went that's enough you've done it you know what's left to do and i said girl we're in a house that's beautiful at the minute I was in a house of 600 knicker house at the time uh, in a lovely area that i would moved to. And I had a mortgage of 400 quid on this house, which was a lot, which was obviously, you know, two thirds of the house is mortgaged up. Right. I've stuck me life's earnings at this stage into the deposit to get to this house. And I, that's the only time I ever told her about financial, with the, the, the way we're in financial. David High. Yeah, and I said to her, listen to me, I said, I've achieved my goals and dreams. Yeah. Now this is no longer about me chasing a dream. I'll fight this, and we to get paid. Now it's purely yeah. about the financial gains, and I promise you, babe, it won't be long. Yeah. I reckon there's three fights, four tops, and I'll secure us financially. And that's when David Hay comes into the fold. I knew, so like anyone who's watched Red Dwarf out there, you boys seem like babies. You might be old enough. Diamond's, Simon's definitely old enough. H on Red Dwarf had the H on but David Hay looked like that to me, but he had a pound sign on his yeah. head. And l- unlike everybody else, I believe that could beat him. But the irony of it mustn't have been lost on you because he paid hundred quid to
0: spar with him, and yeah, that was him into- many years before yeah. that. I'd just been an ABA champion. But then. it must have been in the in your mind's eye, thinking now the irony of this when you're actually walking into the ring to fight David Hay, I was for you, mate, all way, every day, every day of the week, and twice on Sunday. I, Thank you know, you. I text Dave Caldwell saying, "For the love of God." Deal with this fella. And love, when you <laughs> and beat you're him. are both in the same place. Well, yeah, but I can do without him. I, I, I really can. <laughs> you really? No, I can really do without him. He's brilliant. Well, that's brilliant for he you because he's splitting your bank balance. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not but, that, but he's yeah, been a brilliant but fighter. But, yeah, there's a, Better there's a than bit me, personal, Simon. There's a bit of personal stuff oh, in there okay. with girlfriends in the park not my but girlfriends that knew one another. and, it's all and coming David's out got, now. Got Release it, Simon. David's got to. And I also think he's a pantomime villain in some of the things he says. But he was brilliant when he won the world title. Beating Valleywear for the world title was a commendable feat. I do think he made a bit of a fool of himself against against Vladimir Lovely. Klitschko. I with, do think that was a I bit of like a laughable thing. And I know you read him about that. And I do think it was great when you talked about the bin men he was fighting <laughs> uh, and so on and so forth. But to go from 100 quid to stepping in a ring with him yeah. must have been... I don't know, I suppose, or did it not matter? You think I couldn't give a shit. I thought I sparred him once. All I care about now is the fact that he's going to
1: get me paid. Well, do you know what? When I sparred him, it was 2004. I'd just become ABA champion. He was looking for sparring partners. Uh, he came to Liverpool. He was fighting a guy called Mark Hobson, the former British Cruiserweight champion. Right. But David was going to fight him for the Cruiserweight title in the pros. Me and David Price come in as sparring partners. And to like, be honest, we absolutely mullered him. Uh, the next day, he pulled out and said he had a hamstring problem. I dropped him. And I don't even know any reason to claim I did or didn't because I've knocked him out in two fights. Uh, well I didn't knock him out I've stopped him twice when I fought him I dropped him that day it was what it was but I knew I said to David Price in 2004 after that sparring session I'm going to fight him one day Price said to me what are you on about When amateur boxers, he's a professional and he's one of the best professionals he was probably the brightest prospect in world boxing at that stage in 2004 mm-hmm. 2005 David Hay was unbelievable just an amazing prospect he would like I'm convinced if David Hay would have fought Tyson Fury when that fight was, got first got announced, he, do you reckon? And um, it just purely of timing and what he would never have a chance now. The Fury that is on now, the Fury that defeated Klitschko, I'm quite happy to say would beat them all. But the cycle—I mean, you—you you fight a lot of fights. Physicality and ability, of course, yeah. are the
0: component parts. But psychologically, there's a big part to play there. Do you not remember the knots that? That that Tyson Fury tied David Hay up in the press conference, of and then you saw the gloves are off with Johnny Nelson mm-hmm. and and Adam, and the, and you remember him. Mick was sitting next to yeah. him, and he was in the in the in the uh, green room with Adam Booth, mm-hmm. and Tyson's just tied him up in knots, and he David did. Hay didn't know whether he was having a shit or a haircut.
1: But that's his tongue that's tied him up in knots. Physically, he was so undeveloped at that stage and so unaware of you the. You would game. have picked Hay to be Well.
0: Steve, C- Steve, Cunningham. Steve Cunningham I know, I know Steve Cunningham nearly
1: beat him I know they make that argument David Hay is twice the puncher and twice the fighter Steve Cunningham ever was and of course we. and gone. if he hits you if David Hay drops you you're done he's probably one of the best finishers this country's ever seen he's that prolific when he gets you hit, the only finisher I have seen better than David Hay I would probably say Nigel Ben. Mm. when he gets you hit, he takes you out that's why I always knew if David was to drop me in one of the fights, I'm done. I'm done. And I knew I had to stay away from that. So, like I said, it's all hyperbole and it's hypothetical, what yeah. I'm saying. That, it's like the version of Tyson now. People are asking me about Tyson against Usyk now. We'll probably bring this up later, but I, Tyson's style has changed under Sugar Hill. There's no two ways about it. Tyson, The Tyson fury that defeated Klitschko is like an impossible guy to beat. He's six foot, whatever he claims to be, eight or nine, whatever. He's 20 stone. He's moving like a light heavyweight Mm -hmm. and he's got really fast hands. But he's pot-shotting you and he's making you miss and he's causing you problems. Mm -hmm. That's impossible to deal with. But the guy who's six foot, eight or whatever. You don't think he did that to Deontay Wilder in the first fight then? In the first fight, he, he didn't run. But like I said, what he'd done is sound, he met him and moved. In the In the two latter fights, in the two, second and third fights, he then turns and he walks him down. Tyson Fury's style went from a, a style of being awkward, slippery, yeah. big and quick, yeah. to now being an aggressive, front-footed, counter-punching heavy hitter. That second one plays into someone like and Alexander you, you think chance. that makes him beatable now? By I, think, Alexander I, I think he's easier to beat now. Only for a couple of fighters... And bear in mind that is always I think for him facing AJ, it will be harder for AJ to be this version than it would be the old version. Because AJ will have got close. AJ will have been allowed to punch. Now AJ's not going to get the get the luxury of getting close without getting nailed hard on the way in. You could have in the past, like Klitschko did, if you let him fool you around and you get caught up by the mind games. If the Klitschko, but but a, a, but a fit and focused Klitschko would have beaten AJ. I had a younger, C- a younger
0: Klitschko that didn't guess. I think when he had when he had uh, Anthony Joshua, and knocked him down, mm. a fitter, more energized, or a younger Klitschko would have jumped all over. Okay? I think it was not the exact same chance. Klitschko
1: that faced Fury, the exact same one. There was was there any fight even in between for Klitschko? I don't think there was. About three years, wasn't there? Not even that long. Ago, I thought it was eighteen months, two years tops. It's not like he was shop one. What he done is well. The thing that happened with Klitschko and Fury is Klitschko just got done with the mind games. And, and he was bamboozled when he got. He could not deal with the with the the movements, and he could not deal with the the fact that someone's as the same. Klitschko has being being fed, spoon fed throughout throughout an era of guys who are smaller, inferior to yep. him, not as much. Power. It was a bland era as well, wasn't it? Bland so era. When he comes up against someone like Fiori, who's just as big, yep. just as powerful. I'm sure he's not. If you see the picture of Klitschko and Fiori standing next to each other, they're the same size. Mm. Uh, you look at the weigh Just look at the weigh-in picture. The two of them standing next to each other. There's a weigh-in picture there looking on Google Images. Fury and Klitschko are very similar in size. So if who wins identical. out of,
0: just to close this part and go back to you in a second, who wins out of Usyk, Fury, given at some point, despite all the debacles, which we'll talk about in a second, that at some point, if there's still an undisputed opportunity, they both come through fights that they may have to have in the interim while they're waiting for Saudi money to land. Mm-hmm. Right. Who wins that fight? Make no mistake, I think Fury wins it.
1: But you tell Make me. Make no mistake, Tyson Fury's the best heavyweight in the world right now. So he wins it. I have no denying that, but I do now think he's more susceptible to lose to, to to Alexander Usyk. I I would I would. So who wins then? I would tip. Give us a chance. We'll please. get to the point then. I would tip Alexander Usyk, and I would probably. What is that? Because he beat you? Nope. Not because he beat me. I mean, he beat he beat he beats beat AJ as well. You know. It's not just about me. No, no, no. But we're talking to you. He didn't just beat me. He fucking nearly killed me. No, it's not at all. And and it's just because Tyson's style has changed. It's like okay, I made a bit of a thing. I thought Dillian would cause Tyson problems because I thought he would meet Dillian. Oh, there was levels in that one, yeah, of course. there was but like, levels in But that. but he didn't meet Dillian head on, did he? He didn't meet him head on. He didn't have he, to because Dillian didn't want to engage himself. Exactly. Dillian froze.
0: Yeah. But absolutely.
1: Dillian would be a hard night's work for any other heavyweight in the world, but he wasn't for Tyson no. because he froze. I mean I
0: saw him come in the ring. I was standing ringside so watching it. I don't know if you did I see you there. I can't remember. But no, I saw I, think... I saw him, I saw Dillian White come in and I thought, geez Louise. First of all, I saw him at the press conference. And thought, he don't think he can win. Hmm. He don't think he can win. All Even this about I don't start all, all sudden, I don't want to participate in press conferences and I don't want to be because I'm getting treated like shit and I'm getting the B side of all this. He walked in the press conference. I thought, he doesn't think he can win Tyson. That's no, as I've got his number. Of and when he came in a ring, he looked about two foot tall by comparison because he
1: physically shrunk. Well, as I say, your mentality and, and your, your, what's it called? Belief. Your belief and there's a presence. Your presence yeah. is just completely different. Well, what you project. Yeah. What you project. And, and he didn't look right at all, but. Like I say, you'll see when he gets in the ring with AJ, he will believe and it will be a different fighter and you will go like, oh, well, that's because Titan Fury is so great. No, it's just because this fighter, you've done him mentally. Yep. You do him. He does everyone mentally. Hmm. He breaks them mentally first. Yep. But the one person he will not break and will never break, is Usyk, this, okay. this freak well, we're talk- is We, we're, we will see
0: if people get their asses in here and get that fight together. I'm not so sure. Well, when there's enough money around, it'll happen. When there's enough money in Saudi Arabia. There's not enough money. But there will be, because the Saudis will get themselves together and they'll have a stadium built. We'll see. We'll see. Do you think promoters are too powerful? It feels, I'm looking at it. you. you know that I'm looking at the sport, you know I'm focusing on it, whether I'm, we've spoken about me getting involved in it and yeah. you tell me not to do it, but I'm You know, fooling his money and all that sort of stuff. And a sport that I love and I want to get something out of and yeah. enjoy and I think I can do better than others. What do you want out of it? That's the big I, question. I, I want to do things properly. I want to do things well. I think it can go to another level. I think that boxing hasn't even scratched the surface. I think right now it's, it's all over the place. It's not joined up and there's real opportunities. It's never going to gonna better, be joined up. But it can be done better. It and can it can be done better be with broadcasters. It, well, it
1: can never be joined up. It's every, impossible.
0: Every, everything can evolve to a better stage. Oh, of and course. Boxing is an industry that's awash with opportunity. It's not being done properly. There's not enough content being put out there. There's not enough substance being put into the media with the way that the, the, the boxing world interacts with the media. Guys like you are coming along now and seeing the digital world. You're doing your own podcast. You're seeing things yourself. So you know there's a digital world out there that can yeah. be exploited and there's not enough content. So I look at it and think to myself, fights can be made. I watched the situation with Ben Shalom and Frank Warren unable to make the Joe. Joe Parker fight so I got in the middle of it and got people to put their dicks away and make a fight happen yeah. because there's a common goal make things happen get to outcomes but go to my well, question one off but fine then work hard on a principle set a basis for how you're going to operate and build from there I'm not suggesting it's going to be easy, but nothing is ever easy It's impossible. Like, it wasn't easy winning the WBC title that you no, won. No, it's
1: not. But the one you suggested is impossible because there's too many agendas, there's too many commissions, there's too many organisations. Ah, that's
0: a different question. If and you start bringing into, into line streamlining of the boxing world, and if you start looking at formats and start owning formats yourself and start doing to take some of the ideas that Dan, Dana White's got in his little course, space and, he's and got, bringing it into this well, space. He
1: owns an organisation.
0: Ah, but that's if you create formats. That can't happen in boxing. If you create formats... And you change the
1: direction of travel on things. There, there is there is an abundance of opportunities in your space. I Agree to a certain to a certain extent, but fighters will never sign up to a format when you understand that it, there's so many if, things. If there's, in incentive, place.
0: If there's enough financial incentive in something. You will drag golfers off established golf courses, I've playing the PGA Tour, playing for the Davis cut for the, uh, the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup that they're going yeah, for now, the green yeah, jackets. People will drop their values as have, as there's principles I, attached. I, I agree. But go back to my question. You think promoters are too powerful? No, you don't. No, I don't. I don't see they have any power. Do you not think that fights power get made and broken by fight by promoters not being prepared? What power to be does he have?
1: If the fighter says no, what power does he have? They have influence. Do they have influence? They have, have influence. Promoters have ripped off fighters.
0: Tim Witherspoon was sent to the port Did house you turn fight on by, by Donkey. see the
1: promoter or the fighter?
0: No, but I also know that the conduit to some of these fights and some of the opportunities mm. is the promoter. But that's down to the fighters
1: allow themselves to be robbed. Allow yeah, him but himself. with
0: due respect, with the exception of perhaps someone like yourself who's smart smartest paint I'm um, with hang us. on you you're <laughs> smart as paint and with people like you know th- there's not many fighters that are Mensa candidates are they? Nicky Piper might have been the one guy that all, all, all all. time was a professor so you're in the hands of people that advise you footballers they're football agents that steer them down the wrong path and so get right. them into a situation where they're tied up in shit and the f- Put, what the the, the uh, football agent's got a big bag of money out of it, Scumbags. whilst pretending to be in the best interest of the individual. Talking, so we're p- talking the same thing, yes. but Perhaps coming at it from a different angle. So you don't think it's a world where you got, don't. You don't. Bottom line is you don't worry about the influence of promoters. I got
1: my eyes opened up the day the books got opened to me when Eddie dealt me the ownership model, which no other promoter in the world does. His version of it. It's called the ownership model. You own it. Everything you generate, you see. No promoter does that in the world right now, or has done before or since Simon. No promoter. Eddie Hearn is the only promoter in the world, in the history of boxing that has allowed the fighters to see his true worth. Right, that's, so you're, not, so you're, that, that's not an so opinion. So
0: you're PR for AJ, and now you're no, PR for Eddie. No, no, Let's was, ask you about your relationship on my kids' lives, and I wouldn't. But how is, many? Hold on. How many he, rela- I'm not suggesting that you're right or wrong. But how no, many relationships? Fact, how many promoters Simon, have
1: you had, Simon? It's a fact. I've studied boxing all my life. Every, that's all I know. And I know about the tangible. I know the ins and outs. I know. I, I turned professional boxer. I, I as, as an amateur boxer, I knew what people wanted to see. I was, as an amateur boxer, having two amateur fights. I rendered someone unconscious, jumped on ropes and said, I am the best you will ever see, and I was doing, and that you can ask, people will tell you that I was doing things like that, other fighters will know, someone like a Paul Smith, someone like anyone who knows me, when I was an amateur boxer, I was doing things as a professional, because my mindset was that in tune with, I know what people want, because all I've done is study this game and this business, and the more you study it, the more books you read, the more you know, and then, when I've got to a stage where now I can start meeting these people, I've sat down with Don King, I've met Bob Adam. I've, I've I've sat I've I've I was a personally close friend of Frank for many years. I've sat with Frank, I've sat in his box, the King box, whatever it is, mm-hmm. at the Emirates. I've sat there yeah. and had dinner with him. We've chatted, we've talked about boxing for hours on the phone many many years ago. We haven't spoke for a, over a decade now, and and that friendship's long gone and sadly went away through no fault of my own. I've been around, I've sat with the likes of Barry Aaron, brilliant men, brilliant businessmen, amazing, clever individuals. That, what I've just said to you about that ownership model, that's never existed before. And that's why you've never needed, to, that's why you never needed to sign a contract with Eddie, is it? I don't need to bulk Eddie up. Eddie's yeah. a big, bold yeah. boy. He doesn't need me to bulk him up. All as I'm stating is facts. No fighter will ever see their true worth the way he shows you. No fighter. Not in their history of promoting. Do you really believe Don King would imagine? No, no. But that's going from the sublime to the
0: ridiculous, isn't no, it? No, of course. Don King was, but, Don okay, Don they, King was the alt archetype of Adam, Buzzard, wasn't he? Do you think Bob Adam would do that? Probably not. Do you think uh, uh, now these are the two great? Supporters but these are revolts. The so you say to of me, promote, things can't change. Things are never because vested interest. Eddie Hearn's just shown you there's a different way of doing things. He has, and it, and it brings loyalty and it brings a relationship with people that doesn't need. It contracts. Doesn't always
1: bring loyalty because not many have stayed loyal. Many have left them, and that's true because because at the well, same many time, many have left
0: him recently because of the change of direction that's going on with before the fact that the change what suited Matchroom might not suit them. People still laugh when he was at Sky,
1: so it does happen. It's just a fact of of. It's a fixation you can't for people. Please it's everyone.
0: A, it's a fixation for people because Eddie Hearn for me is is the, probably, debatably, arguably, the best promoter in the world. He's the brightest. Uh, well, that's a low bar, to, to be honest with you. He's the but, brightest. You know, with due respect to Frank and due respect to everybody else, no one's solving too many puzzles Frank, Frank
1: came along right. in a time when the boxing cartel Frank, was around. Frank survived.
0: Frank, Frank did more than survive. He broke up the boxing cartel of, of you know, Mickey Duff, Terry Lawless, Terry and Lawless. Jarvis Astaire and all yes. that gang, and punched his way into it metaphorically and literally. Survived being shot. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But Eddie Hearn, the showman, Eddie Hearn... The businessman Eddie Hearn, your friend. How would you, enc- I mean, my experiences of Eddie, I've known his dad. We were dealt with one another in football. I, I, I respect Barry. I don't particularly enjoy his company, and and his son doesn't. Talk, and his son is an apple that doesn't fall too far from the tree, as far as I'm concerned. But as far as you're concerned, when I first you met- dealt with him. So the showman, the showman. businessman, the friend.
1: Describe him to me. When I first met him, I just come from a very damaged relationship with a promoter severely damaged, I didn't trust a single soul in the boxing world. I didn't necessarily like him. He knows this, I've told him. As time went on, never once did that man ask me to sign a contract. Now I'm not stupid because at the time he probably didn't want me to sign a contract because he didn't want to be contractually obligated to have me on. So I'm not stupid and I'm not naive. But as time went on, I became a valuable commodity Mm -hmm. and I became an asset. And still, did that man ask me to sign a contract? No. I'm at the point of where I fulfill my wildest and child dreams at Goodison Park. How do you think he's handled this situation with Conor Ben? Because I think it's
0: frankly appalling. I think it's rank bullshit. Mm. I think he's ducked every single issue. I I know boxing contracts because I've seen them. Mm. I know that you can release release yourself from a promoter of a contract. So telling me that he can't is disingenuous. I think it's outrageous. What does that 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 mean? uh, Untrue. Uh, I think um, that being able to continue to promote a fighter, you must feel strongly about this. You must feel strongly about the fact that Conor Ben is a boy that we may all like, but he's failed drugs tests. Mm. He's gone to the WBC, the board that gave gave you the the belt that you fought for, that you valued so highly, Mm. that gave him an opportunity to present them with a 270-page report, which they – Kicked into the long grass. Yeah. What do you make of this whole Conor Ben situation? So I've sat and Eddie's handling. I've of known Conor
1: since he first come over here, and obviously I've idolised his father. I love his dad. Yeah, uh, and I've known Conor since he come. So when I first got wind, bear in mind, I didn't know anything about the previous. I turned up at the on the Monday. I had to turn up for match room. He said, so, "Will you come to the gathering, the press thing together because they're walking down the carpet. It's going to be at this thing. And it was fight week build up on the Monday. And I was in London for something. I turned up and I chatted to Connor for a little bit. So, and I've known him, like I said, since the day come to this country, I've been fond of him. The kid's a diamond. He's a good kid. Now, I think so too. I like him a, a lot. lovely, lovely boy with the best manners and the best morals and ethics you could wish to meet. His mother and father have done a fantastic job. So when when I first got wind of this I said to Ed why didn't you tell me? I was, I, I, I would I'm pretty straight with Ed and I, and and we don't usually hide from each other pretty close. Uh and he just went tone I can't, I wasn't allowed no one's allowed to know anything so I was like okay I said well I'm going to give you my opinion first and foremost. I'm telling you now there's no way he's cheated. And he went to me I don't think he has as well. Now I know what you're going to say let me finish. No well, you know I what to you said I said prove. to him I'm telling you now He's and that, that kid's not guilty, He said. But I ain't making any comments on this because I believe he's innocent and I don't know what how this is going to come out or whatever. Have you? If 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 a performance enhancing drug comes up, I will fucking leather him. And I spoke to Connor and he, he he's on the phone, fucking tears to me. Crying. I
0: know you've told me, yeah, he fucking, we had the conversation about broke it. broke
1: that and I, and I said, You can't have done And I said, Explain. He said, Tone, I don't know. Do you believe the British
0: boxing border control biased? Er. Uh, because the, 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 the vendetta agenda against Conor Ben just makes no sense. Strict liability means you've got to prove what's in your system or mm. why it's in your system, and that's the governing body's rules. What a don't to like. tell someone to go do one is not an answer. What I
1: don't like from the Boxing Board is it is one rule for one, one rule for the other. Let's wind this up on Conor
0: Benn. Yeah. You have to agree it, it, Conor's got to prove his innocence. And All what he, the... of
1: them need more
0: transparency, Sam. Fine. All but he's, but he's got to stand in front of the British Boxing Board of Control, hasn't he? And if he doesn't like the outcome, he's got to go to Cass and take him to Cass and say it's not been Court of Arbitration of Sport, the okay. ultimate
1: authority that kicks okay. everybody else up the arse and tells people that they well, are a, infusion, for me. For me, I, I struggle to to see this kid. And I know I've heard all the things of, of he's got this in the system, this is to mask this, this is to mask that. Has the fucking kid failed for performance and drugs as he or hasn't he? Dump, yes, he yes. has. tried the fertility agent. Yes, he yes. But really, is he trying to get pregnant? No, but what does it do? I, I haven't. It, it masks the, the production of testosterone. Okay, so it masks something. So as I said, now this is where my slight Lack of education on that kind of topic comes to a forefront. I genuinely would put my life and my mortgage, and well, I haven't got a mortgage, that's a silly statement. I will put every bastard penny I'm worth that that kid's innocent. Good. Get in front of the British box now, and control. at the same it. time, I do agree with you. He yeah. should prove it. And, and shouldn't he be, and shouldn't be taking him around the world and getting him
0: to fights because that gives him an opportunity to get out from underneath. Anyway, listen, Tony, thank you for joining me today. <laughs> On upfront, you couldn't have been more upfront if you tried. That's right. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I look forward to seeing you again in the future.
1: Well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Uh, keep watching the show. He's doing a fantastic job. And the best of all, I'll with... piss off.
0: <laughs> upfront with me, Simon Jordan, is brought to you by William Hill. Future episodes can be found on YouTube, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. 18 plus. Please gamble responsibly.